Hello and welcome to Motorsport Now. My name is Jade Paveley and today's guest is a really important guest. It's David Richards. He's the current chairman of Motorsport UK, former chairman of Aston Martin for ProDrive and also for BAR Racing in Formula One. This interview is different because it was part of my interview process with doing a feature for the BBC. In the summer, I approached the BBC and said, look, have you got anything uh, motorsport presenting wise? I'll be really keen to get some experience. And James Pontin, who has given me this opportunity, came back to me and said, look, propose an idea. We'll see where we get with it. So I went back with a few ideas, a few people that I could pull in uh, to interview and here I am today having just watched the feature go live on the BBC Sport Wales website so if you want to watch it it's really interesting it's really focused a lot around how Covid has affected motorsport particularly in Wales and how it's going to affect Wales Ray GB and the effects from that very much like my podcast really (laughs) so give it a watch let me know what you think it's my first presenting uh, feature first presenting job on on tv so um yeah let me know what you think but one of my guests was david richards and the bbc have very kindly allowed me to use the audio for my podcast and although you will see a snippet of this on the feature on the bbc Wales sport website this is the full interview and it really gets into the nitty-gritty about how rallying has changed and david really interviews of course so so well it's really interesting And he really gives so much gravitas to the feature that I did with the BBC. He was great just to give you all different types of angles. And of course, the BBC wanted to know about how it's going to affect Wales, not having Wales Road GB. So my questions were very focused around that. But it gives a very balanced view on how maybe Wales can optimise almost an opportunity for not having Wales Road GB, which is, again, as I said before, very interesting. Um, And also just with this uh, interview and putting the feature together with the BBC, an interesting point is rallying hasn't been on the BBC's radar for many years. James looked into the archives of when rallying was last on the BBC in this capacity and it was back in 2013 he found something. So I just hope that it gets the sport that I love and care about so much some exposure just to the wider part of people into sport because you know, rallying doesn't make mainstream TV, really. Um, Of course, there's different avenues you can watch it, but if you're not into it, you may not know. So hopefully it's got us a bit of coverage. If you want to know a bit more about what I've been up to, please do follow my social media pages at Motorsport and do subscribe to this podcast. Without further ado, here is David Richards being interviewed at ProDrive by myself. Enjoy! So, David, you've had an incredible career in the automotive and motorsport industry. Have you ever experienced a year like this year? This is one of the strangest years I can ever remember and uh, in so many different ways. You know, we started off with great ambitions for the year ahead and uh, uh, with Motorsport UK, we have a big programme of events across um, all different disciplines. And then it was lockdown. And then, of course, we were, we were quite good at getting out of lockdown, to be fair. And I think uh, when I talk to other governing bodies around the world, they're all in admiration of the way that our officials got back and got things up and running again under fairly difficult conditions. And uh, and then, of course, we have a further lockdown later in the year. And uh, I don't know. Well, hopefully by next Easter, I would think we'll be fairly back to normal again. But uh, no, it's, it's hit everybody quite hard. 
What processes did you put in place for the motorsport teams and motorsport clubs? What kind of things has Motorsport UK done to support them? There were a whole range of initiatives we had to look at for running events. The, the, the priority was seeing if we could get events back up and running again. So um, we put in place PPE for the, uh, for the organisers so you could draw on PPA, PPE resources to sort of help you run the events. And of course there were some clubs that were financially stretched because they'd made commitments that they couldn't then honour, they couldn't run events. So we put in place a million pound fund to support motor clubs around the country. Um, uh, and there were lots of other smaller initiatives and work. That... So what were the initiatives we did? Well, we've done lots of uh, things and um, we spent a lot of time planning, of course, uh, onto the racetracks and into the forests again. Some parts of the country has been easier than others. I know Wales has been particularly difficult, but um, we arranged PPE for a lot of the officials. There was a big stock of PPE put together and the organisers could call upon that. Um, some of the clubs, you know, they had uh, commitments to facilities or events and prepayments for things. So we put in place a, a million pound fund to support clubs that got into difficulty there. Um, and when I look round and I look at how quickly we did get back up and running, lots of the other um, countries around the world, I mean, looking at UK as an example of how they could also manage their own motorsport. And some of the, the medical teams that have been supporting us and, and giving us advice have been very, very key to this. And the World Rally Championship has managed to continue as fast as it could. Did you watch Monza when it was on television? Uh, yes, the World Rally Championship. Well, that's another story altogether. It's, um, uh, again, lots of compromise there. When you look at the events that ended up in the championship and then last minute pulled out of the championship, one minute we're going to Belgium or to Ypres and then it's not going to happen. And, of course, uh, I think Monza was right in the balance the last minute. I think there are... One particular person I know would rather it was taken out of the championship, poor old Elvin. I did watch uh, a lot of that. I was following it uh, as it went by. And, um, you know, you do... I, I just wonder how many people realise how sporting he actually was. When you think that he knew the next car coming down that road was his main competitor for the championship, and had he gone off on the same corner, Elvin would have won the championship. But he didn't do that. He and his co-driver up on the road slowing him down. And... You know, he should be commended for that. He should actually take a, a lot of praise for what he did. I totally agree. Um, you've overseen many world championship rounds and many different drivers, Colin McRae being one of the, the key ones. Elvin and him are quite different, but you must see some qualities in Elvin that you think is a championship winning driver. Anyone who gets to a position where they're challenging for a world title in any form of motorsport let alone the World Rally Championship, which I would say is the most difficult of them all, is a very, very talented driver. And Elvin, Elvin's come up um, perhaps in a, a slow process, if you like, through the years. He's a staged approach. You can look back at his career and see where he's come from. Colin, of course, just arrived on the scene like a, like a, well, how can I describe it? Like a tornado. And he just turned up and he was winning from the outset. Elvin has a far more organized and precise approach to it and um, so given that I wouldn't suggest this is his only chance of winning I think he's got many more opportunities ahead of him and I I'm fairly confident we'll see a Welsh world champion within the not too distant future. You also won uh, the WRC back in 1981 as a navigator I'm okay to say navigator as opposed to co-driver whichever you want <laughs> whichever you prefer. so I'll say that again 
you won the 1981 WRC Championship yeah. um, as a navigator. Um, looking back on how rallying was that then to now, what are the big changes? Well, it's funny. Um, Ari called me last night. We just sort of we were just reflecting on a few things last night, uh, some issues he wanted to have a chat with me about, and. Um, we often talk about uh, what life was like then, and uh, if you have a look around here, you'll find our championship-winning car in the workshop there, the Escort. And some of the engineers here have looked at this and sort of said, wow, look at the safety in that car. There was nothing there at all. It was sort of pretty vulnerable. Yet we walked away from all the big accidents that we had. Um, it was a radically different situation. It's almost like comparing a marathon runner with uh, someone doing a two or three hundred meter sprint you know it's um we would be practicing for two or three weeks at a time you know we go over every stage ten times probably nowadays it's twice over a stage and you've crammed it into a short period of time um, the events themselves would be three days long four days long um but not the nine to five we were going well into the night and it was uh, the distances would be three times the length of the event they are today so i, I and of course there was far more uh, managing the pace you know it wasn't just an out and out sprint in those days some events would be thousand legs in Finland was a little bit but the rest of it you were you were you were actually being a little more cautious than you are today so um, I would say it's a very different event and you know people say well how do you compare the drivers now to then and it's you can't over the different eras and the different type of cars and uh, and the circumstances we're driving in but um, no you you applaud both because you know, you are your best in your time and that's all you can be. And why has it had to change so much? The changes were necessary um, over the period of time and uh, fundamentally they came down to um, a change in the world's acceptance of risk. Uh, you look back at some of the films and you'll see some of them yourself with crowds of people lining the roads and, and that was in this country as much as it was in Portugal or Argentina or other places um, and the, the, the crowds were just parked to let the cars go through. Well, it, clearly, you know, it's a nonsense and uh, we should have probably realised a little bit beforehand that that wasn't acceptable. And it came a point in time, a, 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 a pivotal point where we had to say, look, we can't let this carry on this way. And when you say that, you say, well, the next thing, how are we going to control the crowds? Well, it means that we've got to have less stage lengths where we can manage the marshalling, supervision of the stages. And that means shorter events. And that also means uh, we've got to have um, uh, perhaps less, um, more, more repetition, if you like, of stages and repeat stages. So we ended up with the, the cloverleaf idea, the sort of... Uh, centralized service that came about purely so we could control safety for the spectators and it was um i honestly think if we hadn't done that i don't think we'd be sitting here today talking about a world rally championship because it was absolutely necessary now of course the thing that people forget is once you control the situation once you've got those in place you can revisit that again now and perhaps think differently so we could perhaps go back to events that are a bit longer a more linear route if we've got enough marshals to supervise it. So we've rather trapped ourselves in a in a, a in a behaviour and a structure that may no longer be necessary. So I'm challenging everyone to think again now, have a look at it and see, are we still of necessity doing the things that we had to do to sort the problem out? Or have we moved on? And could we perhaps revisit some of the the elements of rallying that we've lost over the last two decades? 
There's two ways to go with that. I'll come back to possibly that, if that's okay. So your passion for motorsport started as a young boy watching rallying in North Wales. Yes, I would. So I'm the eldest of uh, four boys. We used to sort of go up to Clokainog Forest and uh, watch the cars go through Clokainog. My three younger brothers all sitting on the side of the road. We, we'd stay there right from the first to the last car. Um, I remember when Monte Carlo Rally, or the road section of Monte Carlo, came through North Wales, I pedalled my bicycle to watch them go around a, what was a hairpin bend on a main road, and I thought this was very exciting. And um, so from a very early days, in, uh, and of course, if you live in North Wales, you, um, you're not really near a racetrack, at least you weren't then. Alton Park would be the nearest. Um, so you end up going rallying, and uh, that's how I started. Sorry to interrupt this podcast. I hope you're enjoying the interview with David Richards. I just want to ask if anyone's interested in forming a partnership or sponsoring my motorsport career for next year, please do get in touch at Jade Paveley Motorsport on my social media channels. Also, please subscribe to this podcast. I'll let you continue listening to David. Thank you. How important was it for you to have an accessible local sport? The great thing about rallying and, and motorsport in those days was that uh, we had great local motor clubs. The rivalry between the motor clubs in the area was uh, was quite. It, I look back at it; it's quite quite amusing actually. So I joined the nearest one to myself, Cluid Vale, still a member, still president of it in fact. And yet you had uh, uh, North Wales Car Club, you had Rilla District Car Club, you had all the people around us, and they were all rivaling to run the best events, and um, it was a great. Um, it was great spirit actually in those days, and uh, I, again, like so many things and so many clubs, and it's the same not just in motorsport; it's across lots of sports. This sort of idea of clubs has, has quietly dissolved and disappeared to a certain extent, taken over by social media, where your communication is in a completely different way. Rather than socially meeting down the pub as we used to do, we used to have our meetings in a little pub at the bottom of, bottom of Denby. Um, nowadays, uh, you know, whether it's on a Zoom call on a video conference or whether it's via social media, it's a very different experience. How important is it for Wales to have the round of World Rally Championship within Wales? How has it benefited from that? Well, I was very fortunate in those days because um, I still think today Wales, as far as the UK is concerned, is the hub of rallying. It's where the biggest support comes from the local people. It's the, the strongest participation, whether it's from local club 12 cars to road rallying to forest rallying. I took place to part, the first international rally I took part in was the Welsh International in those days. Uh, that was a massive event, three days long, enormous support around the country. And of course, you know, subsequent to that, we've had the World Rally Championship for the best part of 20 years coming to Wales. And um, that has been a great thing that's, um, I think it's gelled everyone together. It's got that support there from um, not the, just the participants, but if you look at the, the local schools sort of doing competitions around the rally and sort of the flags of the different drivers and then stood out on their school playgrounds as the cars come past, that's inbred and ingrained into the, the, the culture of Wales now. And um, it's a, for me, it's a very important thing to try and retain. And uh, I'm doing everything I can to make sure that happens. It's been very, very difficult for Wales throughout uh, with COVID, regardless of motorsport and other industries as well. But do you see that Wales could bounce back with this within motorsport and hold an event again next year in Wales? It's going to be very difficult to come back from this situation now. And there are lots of challenges um, that are outside our control, quite frankly. 
Um, the World Rally Championship has changed its calendar for next year because everyone knows the early part of the year is going to be impossible for many European countries to, uh, or even far further countries further afield to hold events. So um, the overseas events, the Far East and Australian events, have been moved to the back end of the year, which is the traditional period where we've always had Wales Rally GB in October, November time. Um, the only opportunity of a date for us is now turns out to be in the summer holidays, which is uh, it's just bad from a number of aspects. It's bad from getting officials to run the event in the summer holidays. It's bad from sort of access to the forests because of sort of other people want to use the forest at that time of year and other other aspects from fire risk, etc., etc. So uh, we have a major challenge on our hands to run an event next year. Now, that's not to say we can't defer that for a year again and put it the year afterwards, but I think next year is going to present problems. If it is going to be too difficult to run Wales Rally GB next year, what's the positives and negatives around that? Well, the the, the negatives clearly are around the sort of continuation, the impetus that you create. You know, as soon as you take out a couple of years of any activity, people migrate to other things and they go do other things, and so sort of, and the forestry will be forestry roads will be taken over by mountain bikers and other other activities. Um, so that's a, a negative. On the other hand, uh, we can look at investing in the lower level of the sport, the grassroots level of the sport. We're already talking about having juniors driving in forest rallies now at 14 years old and looking at other ideas to to, to stimulate interest, which um, perhaps so much focus has been placed on the World Championship event, and perhaps we've got to look more at grassroots and how we can uh, support the clubs at that level. Do you think that people will be hungry to come back into motorsport next year? Or do you think maybe they've enjoyed seeing their families at home, doing other things? What do you think? I think that this lockdown, this whole period, has changed all our lives for a long time. And everyone will react in different ways. And we'll all look at things in positives and negatives. I was only thinking about it myself this morning. I've spent weeks and weeks at home. I've not gone on an aeroplane. I've not travelled anywhere. I've gone home every single night. And... That's quite good fun. I've sort of had dinner with my wife on our own and we've done things together and, you know, just gone for walks and locally and met some of the local people as well, which I haven't had the opportunity to do. Will that change me? Not necessarily. Will I want to go back to motorsport again? Of course I will. Um, but I think it just, um, it'll reinforce what's important in our lives. And um, uh, I think if we manage this process properly, Motorsport UK, the Welsh uh, clubs, we can actually make it a positive. You said that, I don't want to use the phrase back in the day, but you said when you were competing, people were lying in the streets to come and see the rally cars come past. Why do you think that's been lost a little bit? How can motorsport tap into people that aren't interested in motorsport to get them involved? You know, uh, you can say this of motorsport, but you can say it of all other sports as well. I don't think there's any sport that will say our crowds have grown substantially over the last 20 years. Everything is uh, as polarised and you have the top tier of sport uh, that has retained a following, whether it's through the press or whether it's in physical terms, but all the rest of the sports are sort of, um, and you have to accept they're minority sports and motorsport in the terms we know it is minority sport. They've all seen a decline in their their followings um, so we're not unique in this we tend to think we live in our own little world and is it sad it's only us it's affecting it's not 
It's every other sport that you can talk to. And I've talked to organisers of other activities and they face the same challenges. Um, to, my, to my mind, we've, um, uh, we've, lost, um, we, we've lost our way slightly. We've focused on uh, motorsport as an entertainment medium. You know, it, we've focused all our efforts to make it exciting for people to watch on television and uh, not to participate in at grassroots level. And if you lose that engagement at a young age, you lose that opportunity for people to grow up with it as I did, joining a local motor club at 17, going on the little 12 car rallies, doing car trials and driving tests and things. If you lose that, you really don't get the next generation following through and you don't get that engagement for spectators either. So uh, we need to be focusing more and more on the grassroots and finding ways for people to participate at a young age and enjoy what I enjoyed. And you don't think if, if Wales Rally GB doesn't happen next year that it will lose an audience coming into the sport you think grassroots would be able to flourish? It will inevitably impact on the, on the, the audience for the sport, on the sort of... Uh, on the enormous support we get in the rural areas. Because remember, the, the rally brings a lot of income to rural areas. It's, uh, it gives a lot of engagement for, for local people as well. So um, hopefully we can find ways of addressing that. And if it's a short-term measure, we can introduce other events to, to fill the gaps. And what things do you think that car clubs can be doing to encourage people to get into the sport? Well, car clubs... Uh, seem to be if I go to car clubs I go quite regularly and give talks to clubs around the country and it always concerns me that sort of you know it's my generation I'm talking to and I should be talking to you and younger generations and that's what we've got to appeal to and we've got to find ways of addressing that and um, it's not easy and um, but I'm not the right person to be talking to these people. I'm sort of, you know, somebody stood up to me and I remember one of the things, we, had, we did a bit of a forum having a chat and I said, how do we engage with more young people? A young girl got up from probably 18, 19 years old and said, well, we start by people like my age talking to us. She said, you know, if you can get people like me talking to the younger group, then you'll penetrate that. If you carry on talking middle-aged, grey-held gentlemen talking to us, it won't work. And she was quite right. And we've sort of got to engage more younger people to be ambassadors for us, see that there's an opportunity to, to engage in motorsport at a modest cost. You don't need to own a, a car like this to go into, into motorsport events. And, and we've got to, got to try and do that. Do you think people are too focused on just driving and not the big part of the sport? Yeah, there, there are so many aspects to it. You don't just have to be a driver. You know, I was a good example. I was brought up with a, a set of maps and navigating. Um, but there's the organisation of sport, and which is very rewarding in itself. And I know lots of organisers who get more uh, pleasure out of doing that than they would if they were competing themselves. And a whole range of aspects of, uh, that can help. And um, so we need to promote that as well. Do you think motorsport could benefit the safety of people driving the road, driving their own cars and just being aware of that kind of event? There's no doubt in my mind um, that responsible participants in motorsport are far better drivers. My boys who sort of were on motorbikes and cars from the age of about 10 or 12 are very competent drivers and they're far slower and more unsafer on the public roads than I ever was, I think. They're just far more responsible. So I think motorsport does teach people that and, it is, uh, uh, and that's one of the great aspects of it. 
if Wales don't have the Wales Rally GB, the, the round of the British Championship, where do you think it could go? Well, the ambition for uh, from Motorsport UK point of view for Rally GB is that we circulate it round the round the different countries of the UK, Wales, Northern Ireland, Scotland. Um, it could be in England, there could be a possibility of doing something in the north of England as well. But what we would like to do in an ideal world is find a method that one in three years it goes to the different countries and the other couple of years it's supported by um, perhaps a major British Championship event in there or, or something of that nature. We need to backfill as well so that there's continuity. You don't lose the organisational skills and the support locally. Uh, but the principle of going around the, the whole country is, a, is something we've got to look at. But I'd like to go back to the point I made originally, um, that we have compressed our events into a very rigid format over the last 20 years for reasons that I think are perhaps in the past. And I wonder whether we should be actually having a bigger picture look at this now and say, why do we need to restrict ourselves to one small area? Why couldn't we go back, perhaps not completely back to the days when Colin was winning in this car, traveling all around the country, but we could certainly do something that was far longer, further afield. And uh, I think that would benefit everybody. Just another question, sorry. Do you think there's a maybe slightly better way of introducing people into rallying to build them up the steps to go to a World Rally Championship level? Is that going to be more accessible in the future? When I look at rallying today and, and consider how you get started, um, everyone just looks at the World Rally Championship, looks at the barriers to get there and, you know, hats off to Elvin for the progress he made over the last goodness knows how long to get to the World Championship. Um, we do need to make those stepping stones in there. And um, we've got to look at where the events are that people are, are supporting. And one of the things that I've seen and uh, been very impressed by are these single venue events that are, take place at race circuits over the winter time. And um, they've I've competed on a couple of them now, and they are just great fun. You've got the paddock area there. You don't go outside the race circuit. You do great mileage. It's all safe. The spectators are there. All the facilities are there. And it's a very easy and reasonable thing to participate on. And I think lots more of those smaller events to get people into the opportunity of competing is where we should start. Do you think rallying needs those personalities? If you look at F1, you've got Lewis Hamilton, Jensen Button, and the British public really bind their story. Do you think maybe rallying could promote themselves slightly better in that case? You know what? The, the real problem today uh, with sport generally, if you want to be a, a top sportsman, you dedicate yourself to the sport. You're in the gym all the time. You've probably been doing it since the age of 14 or something like this. You've, um, you've sacrificed everything the particular sport you're doing whether it's being a pole vaulter a runner a football or whatever there and you know what that does sanitize the individual it makes them less interesting because they don't have that breadth of uh, of living the world and seeing what it's all about and occasionally very occasionally the likes of a Colin McRae comes along yes on the note of Colin McRae I believe you're a very hands-on team principal and you actually got your hands a little bit dirty oh maybe a couple of occasions. Oh, I've, I'm lots of times with Colin. I was very, very involved in the whole program. That was, you know, and even now I've sort of, you know, I look back at the, the Colin days and you're right. I used to spend a lot of time with him, talking to him, coaching him. Um, and then 
on the events getting involved as well. I was right in the forefront of it. Um, as the company's grown, I've become less and less involved. Although, ironically, I've gone back into that role for the Dakar event, which we're about to participate on, uh, because I just feel it's the one thing I've not done and I want to see that we do as well as we can. So I've rolled my sleeves up and I dare say, well, hopefully I won't be banging the dents out the roof of Sebastian Loeb's car as I did with Colin, but there we go. And that was David Richards. Thank you so much for listening. It's been an absolutely mad few weeks. Not only have we been filming with the BBC, but I also did my first gravel event last weekend with my dad navigating. And that was seriously nerve-wracking because the car that I drove, this Evo 3 rally car, dad's had since... Apparently he's had it for 21 years or something like that, so I wasn't allowed to rev it too much and he got a bit annoyed when I started uh, getting some air over the jumps, but uh, apart from that, we got on pretty well and uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it, so great to get on the, the slippy stuff again and great to be in competition. And also a big shout out to Andrew, he's one of my listeners on the podcast and thank you ever so much for your lovely comments and messages you've been sending. I hope you guys have a great week and there'll be plenty more interviews to come. Nikki Grist is another one that I interviewed for the BBC feature and I will put that out soon. Have a great Christmas and a very happy new year. Stay safe.